0: Let me pray for us now. Heavenly Father, thank you for these snacks and thank you for this community. Thank you for being in our midst. Bless us as we discuss things and uh, see where you want us to go and uh, do ministry together. Be with us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Logistics first. Okay.
1: All right, Hannah's passing out agendas and handouts. Um, I was slated for an Easter outreach update, but I think Andy did such a great job during the service that I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, I will say um, it was suggested that, uh, or observed, that the week of leading up to Easter we're on a break from home meetings. And so for some of you, it might be something that your home meetings would be interested in doing together to get together and go pack meals together that week. Um, So something you might want to chat about together. We do have a much greater need for drivers than for meal packers, though, so please um, talk about it together, and if there's anyone that has cars in your group, encourage them to participate in that. Um, Hannah's handing out an orange agenda, but then also a gray piece of paper, um, which is to let you know that we have another ministry fair coming up on April 14th. Um, It's the first year that we are doing a ministry fair in the spring, but we thought it would be helpful opportunity um we've had a lot of new people join us since the fall since we did the ministry fair in october and so we thought it'd be good to do another big event to kind of publicly talk about some of our ministries and encourage some new people to get involved and also we have several things that happen here that only happen during the summer we have life nights coming up we have um the summer internship and we have just some different projects and outreaches over the summer months and so this will give us an opportunity to talk about those things um So just wanted to let you all know that's happening. If you're a ministry leader that this applies to and you are interested in having a table at the ministry fair, um, I sent out an email about that already, and we'll be following up with all you guys about that. Um, And I also do need a couple of home meeting leader volunteers who want to man the home meeting leader table at the ministry fair. So if you're interested in doing that, let me know. That'd be great. I'll just let you read the gray sheet later. That's it for me. Thanks.
2: shorter there's not too much just as you're looking up um looking ahead to your the calendar there's a lot coming up right now we don't have very many people signed up for the incovenant covenant retreat which is pretty standard but it's less than a month away so really if there's anyone in your home group who is um that you know is not in covenant definitely definitely encourage them to sign up for that um the there is a monday thursday service here at 7 p.m right jeff I think, 7 p.m. on the Thursday, March 28th. And then there's a Good Friday service at Center City at 7 p.m. on Friday if people are asking about that. Um, And then just the big things like Rachel said, spring ministry fair, and then followed by the ministry meeting the next week so that hopefully we can get people from the ministry fair to the meeting as well. And I think that's it.
0: All right, gang, keeping it brief, let me go over a couple of things and just by way of follow-up. One thing I wanted to talk about, when we talked about, uh, with Julie Remo, she had made the flowchart to help us understand, if you or somebody in your group is the first person to intersect with somebody who's in need of care, what do you do? How do you think about it? Right, and so that there's a there's a flowchart that's available. The uh, home meeting leaders know, in particular, there's a document where we're tracking the groups, and if you're a home meeting leader, the members of the groups under you. And there's some things, there's some tools, a part of that spreadsheet, and one of them is the flowchart. So it's there. But one of the things that we talked about when we looked at that flowchart was just the idea of well, what do you do if you can't handle it? Now some of that's on the flowchart, but there were some more uh, specific emergency care procedures and. I intended to have these as basically a handout of different kinds of procedures, uh, suicide prevention and hotline, uh, rape crisis, other kinds of things that you might encounter that it's just that you can walk alongside with somebody, but it's beyond. there's a lot more than just you guys can handle on your own. Uh, I had planned on having a copy of this for you, but Friday was a, a friend's funeral in New York, and uh, two days earlier this week, Ezra's in the hospital, and now Anne sick, so I've just been scrambling. I didn't get it copied. But I do want to uh, let you copy down a couple of numbers that you can take away, and then what I'll do is scan this. Uh, or copy and paste or something, and uh, get you guys copies that you'll have available to either have on hand yourselves, or um, be able to hand out to your home meeting members. And and we'll get us up and running, have some resources in case stuff happens. We'll do a little bit of prep work in in advance. Ounce of prevention, pound of cure, that kind of thing. Okay, uh, there's a difference on this sheet. There's a difference between active suicidality and, and passive. For active, call 911 immediately. All right, so that's verse thing, and then there's a suicide hotline, and I'll give that to you 215 686 4420. Now, if there's passive suicidality, they, they think they might be better off dead, it, it's, that's uh, approaching a uh, psychiatrist for care. And with our counseling center, Dr. John Applegate is the person to call for referring people directly for specific psychiatric care. And his number is 215-222-0310. All right, so this will walk you through some of that. There are uh, various things from uh, Drexel. If you, uh, What I'll do is uh, Drexel University has a, a page on their EDU site called Emergency, and uh, they have a lot of things that were basically taken here that were put together between, with uh, Debbie Barbieri and Arlene Navarro. It took time a while back and put this together, so we're just making sure they're up to date. We've changed some of the numbers on them, and I'll get a fresh copy available to you soon. That's it by way of follow-up there. There's, there's a copy for you to be able to have and hand out to your home meeting leaders based on what we talked about last time. Uh, the next thing that I want to talk about is pastoral care is also being about being proactive With people who are coming in new, how do we care for people well? And sometimes it doesn't always look like responding to a crisis, but sometimes it looks like actively looking for ways to welcome people. And so to that end, what I wanted to get on your radar now is that in the fall, when we begin the... The fall year. Although we have a ministry year that begins in July, everybody kind of goes away for the summer. And so functionally, we still kind of go along with the semester basis where in the fall things start up. So what I'd like to do in the fall is uh, begin tracking along with the home meetings and the sermon series, but have a special seven-week uh, orientation to basic values that we hold as a church for people who are new. And what we're going to need some things for that. What we're going to need is for you and your home meetings to be looking around and anticipating right now who could, possibly, who could possibly go out for seven weeks and help people who are new be in a group with other people who are new and discuss, like we discuss in our home meetings week to week, the kinds of questions and get them sort of centered around that. Now, I'm going to tell you why we're going to do that. Number one, seven weeks is a low-impact kind of commitment. And most people feel like, okay, seven weeks, I can commit to that. So it's not only not as difficult for the folks in your small uh, groups and your home meetings to, to be thinking about, well, could I do that? Could I go and help people discuss and facilitate discussion around the text for seven weeks? And we'll provide training for that. It, it helps the commitment on our end for developing leaders who are already here. But it helps the commitment on visitors' ends because they, if, as they come in, they think, well okay, I could get seven weeks a try. And it becomes an easy way to connect visitors with visitors and allow our community to grow and allow ways in. Now, do... We have to stay in those groups, you know. If I'm a if I'm an apprentice, or if I'm in the home meeting, do I have to stay in the group that I've gone out to lead? No. The answer is no. If if you find at the end of seven weeks it's not working out for you, then of course you come you pull you back into the, your existing home meeting, and we'll find space for the people who were in your home meeting. That's not a problem. But I can tell you that statistically, what happens over those seven weeks is that this group begins to form, and about 80 to 95 percent of the time, if you're if you're going out, you'll probably end up saying okay this is going to work I can do this and you'll become the, a new home meeting now this is important because right now our attrition rate is higher than our ability to develop leaders right and so we're the people who are here leading faithfully you are burned out or burning out and we don't want to do that and in my experience and with the many years I've been involved with home meetings and small group ministry this was the best way that I've ever seen to do multiplication not the traditional way of like, you know, figuring out how to split the group down the middle and go separate ways. That's a viable option, and it may be a solution in some circumstances, particularly when it gets just too way too big for the space. But this is a really healthy way, and it's the only way that we can overcome the attrition rate. Um, so what I would like you to be doing, I wanted to put it on your radar, because I'm not sure that we are, we're getting established in home meetings and how they run and how we're connected and how we're all doing the similar kind of things, even though we're all distinct in our home meetings, but we don't have real standardized hey, this is what a home meeting leader does and this is how we train for it and this is how we prepare for it and here are our apprentices and here's how we develop a co-leader and all of those things we have yet to bring our resources around and figure out. So I wanted to put on your radar now be looking for people that you could see showing potential. They don't have to have it all together right now, but showing potential, uh, doing what you do in your home meetings where they're leading discussion, they're facilitating discussion around the text, they're capable that way. And then be thinking about yeah this thing in the fall where we're going to come and try to make room for other people and do pastoral care in a proactive way rather than just reactive way. So we'll start to be more full-bodied in our pastoral care. I want to take just a couple minutes and open up to questions. I'm sure you have some. And uh, if there's anything I didn't get to answer in just the, the brief presentation, we'll answer that. And then again, because it's such a nice day and, and there are several teams that are not here, what we'll do is go ahead and break. But if you need to meet or if you need to you know, meet in your group or ask me anything, I'll, I'll be around. We can do that. Questions. Julie Reamer.
3: I don't know if this is a question or an observation, but you know, basically, I think from what we have been doing, it's been more sort of creating home meetings by location. Yeah. So this would just. In essence, change that up. Not necessarily it's a bad thing, but I don't know if you had any comments about that. If someone would say, well, what about focusing on location of your neighborhood with this?
0: Well, I mean, we haven't talked about it, honestly. And I think that we could easily uh, develop location as a part of that process for the groups in the fall. I don't see any reason why we couldn't. Um, The thing is that location is one way to establish a home meeting, but it's not the Mm -hmm. only way. And we want to be as fully... As possible in the ways that we come at being community together. So there are different ways, you know, I've said it lots of different ways. There are just many ways to solve problems, and so we have to identify what the problem is, and one of the problems is connecting. And another problem is attrition. We, we're having trouble developing leaders at the, at the same rate that people's lives change and they have to move out of state because they took a job or whatever. And we're, that's a recipe for burnout. And I know some of you are there and have been there. Some of you are headed there. I hate it. I don't want that for you, and I don't want it for me. And so we've got to figure out some, some ways to organize things and answer problems that will help the, whole, the weight for everybody. Less weight for everybody. More people carrying just a little bit of the weight makes it easier on everybody.
4: guess my question would just be, is there an initial goal for how many new groups? I mean, obviously that depends on how many um, new attenders we have in the fall. Um, but is there an initial goal? Are we looking like every home group sends off, you know, or has somebody, you know, come up in that calling and go for it, or um, is it just dependent on the numbers in the fall?
0: No, I think uh, what, I think would be in good shape if we could get every group thinking that way. Now, I, I say that by way of caveat, I would say that not every group is in a position to do that. I mean, you know, we have some groups that have gone through massive transitions and are just struggling with uh, a few people left because people have gone this way or that way. And and I, we can work with that. Like I can work with you, and you don't you don't have to participate. But it'd be great if each group could send out two people to start. And so we have about thirteen groups now. I think is that about is that right? Thirteen groups now. If each group sent out, you know, that's twenty six groups. We've done a good job. Even if we sent out half of that, right, we would still uh, develop space for people to come into our midst and also take some of the weight off of of existing groups. So I think that's part of it. Um, we don't have a number yet, but we should maybe every group that can do it. That would be good. And then um, one thing to think about, too, we have some specialty people who have trained specially in our midst in theology and apologetics, one thing we might think of too is doing not just new to liberty groups in the, in the fall like this that I'm talking about, but we might do new to Christianity or, or seeker groups where people could, it would be a group of people who don't know, are in process, don't necessarily know the Lord and come and ask questions that are hard questions and skeptic questions. And, you know, be one of our things that we wanted to push towards is evangelism this year. This would be a great way to do it. I've seen it work very powerfully. Um... Where the whole group, remember the idea behind these groups is that it takes away the hurdle of trying to enter into pre-existing relationships. Aside from the leader, the two leaders who go out, everybody in the groups would be new. See, and so they're forming new relationships, and and it's a great way to generate community initially. But the same would be true of these seeker groups. Right? where you could come and you'd be with other people who are seeking or in a different place in their spiritual journey and you're not, uh, you're not having to overcome the hurdle of well, how do I figure out what Christian community is and what they're praying now what's that look like and so we can, we can brainstorm around those things and that might add to maybe one or two more groups to the number yeah it's helpful because we're recording the Q&A for people who aren't here okay. and so they hear your question
3: Uh, I have a question and an observation, I guess. Um, That sounds about right. Maybe I'll do the observation first and then ask the question. (laughs) The observation is tied to the last thing you just said with seeker groups. Yes. Um, The the thought that immediately came to mind for me is that um, if for many people we're gathering them together into a home group or some sort of a small group format, that's primarily largely a way of building community. Yeah. Then I would would suggest that one weakness of building seeker home groups is you're putting – It's almost like, you know, everyone immature, in a sense, faith-wise, with only like one or two people that have a Christian foundation, and that would be their community primarily. You know, just, I realize there are difficulties with doing it in a class format, but I would almost think it might be better to have a, maybe you wouldn't call it class, but something that wasn't home group. You would still want them to interact with folks in different degrees of where they are in Christian formation, is is my observation. Um, the question is, so when you want us to look for folks that are willing to do this, we're not necessarily looking for folks that feel equipped right now or that feel right. strongly gifted. It's just folks that are willing to step out and learn. Yeah, is and you a- see
0: potential in them. Okay. I mean, there's not, you know, there's not something glaringly wrong or they're not, they wouldn't be a burden to a group that they've gotten. They they show some potential to do it. They don't have to have it all together. They just have to show potential for it. I see the Lord doing this you, the way that you really balanced in the way that you just handled that question and the sort of conflict that happened there between those two people. That was really good. Or, you know, catch people doing good and then see if they're willing to come into the role. Uh, I'll respond to the first thing. I think I, I, get, what you're, I get what you're saying, but the, it's a lot of freight for a home meeting to carry um, the full weight of trying to answer the unbelieving questions well. And so what this is is sort of a, it's a, a step away from that. It's not that our home meeting should be, let me say first, our home meeting should be the most natural place where somebody who's in process could come and sit down and process the gospel with us and not feel uncomfortable. There shouldn't be a moment in our lives together where there's insider speak or we're talking about in a way the gospel in a way that's Christianized or Christianese. I've tried to allude to that in different ways throughout. So that's important. And, yes, our home are where we know and care for one another. And, and we would encourage people to get into that. But the force of unbelief, especially with so many gathered at once, takes some special... Calling and giftedness to handle that situation in the way we're thinking. So it would be what i the way I've seen it work, Josh, is this: somebody like yourself with the kind of training that you have would sit with um, six to eight people who plainly admit to not believing the gospel and not knowing God, but are interested. And you sit down and you take a book like Reason for God, and you just go through the chapter each week, and you discuss. And there's no unsafe question. You know, you can you can talk freely about it. But you have special training to be able to do with that I don't think that just anyone from our groups could go into that that would be the theologians and apologists in our midst who have a, a real uh, undergirding to do evangelistic work right but the idea was it be, be like a um, a lower uh, a lower but it's an easier way there there are A non-Christian might come to a group like that and discuss questions that they have before they would come to a home meeting. So what we're trying to do is provide a stepping stone into the home meeting, but that's that's also another safe way to do it and around an evangelistic theme, which we wanted to be about.
3: That that makes a lot of sense to me. I I just want to make one observation in response. Um, Observation and
0: question, because that's how you roll, and we need that from you.
3: No, I think that's fantastic. And, that you know, I don't have anything against anything you said. I think that makes a lot of sense to me. I just want to make the observation that for those of us who are Christian yeah, or who have been Christian for a while, um, often if you're in an open enough group, I've found that folks who are coming, asking those initial questions, make all the Christians reevaluate what we think, mm. which is very helpful. I've been in yeah. multiple groups where it's like, you know, where the, someone will be like, I'm sorry I'm asking stupid questions. And other people will be like, no, no, those are great. We haven't thought about those questions. Or we assumed we knew the answers to those questions for a yeah. long time. Yeah. So I just want to say on the other end, it's helpful for people who are kind of like, we know the answers, to have folks like that too. But I, I completely understand your reasoning for
0: Yeah, Yeah, and let me be clear. I mean, I, I am not at this point discouraging in any way if somebody is in process of not believing the gospel from coming into a home meeting. I mean, I think that's really, that's desirable. But we're talking about the people who would hesitate mm-hmm. to go into that setting. How can we provide a bridge? And, and these groups, have, I've seen them be a bridge to not only deeper life in community and, and wovenness into community life, but I've seen them be a vehicle for actually coming to faith and knowing Jesus. Um, so it's, it's a possibility. But several different kinds of groups, or several different numbers of groups, I should say. Yes.
1: Just along the idea of like a seeker group, having people that are Christian that are saying, like, I don't really know if I, what I believe or how I believe or like, do you know what I mean? Like, because I feel like there's people that are Christian that are also in a kind of unbelieving state, but maybe they are Christian. So just another way to do that kind of seeker
4: group. Yeah.
0: You know, I mean, that might be, somebody like that might feel comfortable in a group like that. It, it's also that we do need on every level, including the elders and the deacons, and we're going to talk about that tomorrow night. We have a joint meeting. Um, but we need discipleship. We need to be equipped with some of the beauty and richness of our faith, um, no matter where we're at. And so we're going to try to figure that out. Uh, that was part of our goal set that we came up at the leaders' meeting. But there, that's going to be a little bit more slow-moving. I think we can move quick, more quickly with some of these other things.
2: Thank um, so just going on with what you are saying about looking for potential people to send out, um, I think it would be helpful to think of it not just in terms of people who would be gifted in facilitating discussion, but looking for people who have gifts specifically more in hospitality, being welcoming to people, gathering people around. Um, even if there's somebody in your group who has those kinds of gifts who might not be gifted in leading discussion. Yeah we could still set it up in a way where we pair them with somebody who has more of the leading discussion gifts, and that would actually be a really great gift to have in a newcomer's group like that.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, what we need is the body and the different gifts working together. That's what we're given different gifts for. And so... That's, that's important. It's not just a person who's sort of erudite and able to answer questions and facilitate discussion. You also need people who are deeply welcoming and show that side of Jesus. So Jesus has a lot of different sides to show, and he shows them through us. And so uh, that will be part of your planning process as you talk and identify with potential leaders. You can say, hey, you know, I see this in you. How about pairing with this person? I see it like, You'd be a great team together. question and observation?
3: No, just like a a potential, uh, another potential way of doing it. I was just thinking, you know, if we're thinking of all the potential obstacles to people wanting to step up to lead, right? What if one way we did this, not saying everyone has to do this, was to encourage existing leaders to be the ones to step out, and people within the group to step up to lead? Because yeah, stepping up to lead is already challenging enough. But if you stay within the context of the group you're, fami- you're comfortable with, it's not as challenging as, well, is there someone who wants to step up to go lead a totally different group? So shouldn't the burden to some degree be on those who are currently leaders to be thinking, well, we have some sense of understanding of what we're doing to step out into a new context and have other people in our group to step up to lead the existing group, just yeah. as one other thought. Yeah, yeah that's
0: awesome. And it's a, it's a way Roxbury, you, can you – Can I put you on the spot and ask you to speak to how
4: you're handling just that? Sure, you can put me on the spot. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. Everybody know Mark? Hello, Mark. What's up? Everybody, you know everybody, yes. Yes, I'm Mark from Roxborough, wife Caitlin, and Marilyn helps lead as well. Yeah. And John easily he's not here today. Um, But yeah, so we're kind of having that conversation with Scott and some other people just about what to do, and um, we're kind of at a critical mass size of over 15 to 20 some nights. So, trying to figure out what's next. Um, and we've developed different options or plans. I, I don't know what you want me to go into, but um, we've talked just about potential. Spell out, yeah. yeah. Spell out what the issues are and how you're trying to solve them. Yeah. So, um, one of the ways is we were kind of talking to um, Scott just about this fall. About sending off some of the apprentices that we let up, or other leaders, to help start. Um, um, and in the meantime, kind of doing—it's kind of different. But we're—we have a—we meet at Maryland's place, which is just a typical row home. But kind of split up into two groups there, and kind of prepare for the fall. And say, okay, we still want to be this one large community at this point, but in the fall, potentially developing into two groups. Um, And then also sending off leaders, hopefully, to start these new um, pods, I guess you would call them, Hmm. seven to eight people for seven weeks. So...
0: Yeah, and they and basically what we did together is look at the process. Okay, what's it going to take to do that? And then um, you know, Liang is helping us with uh, a, an assignment of trying to clarify roles and, and responsibilities. And so one of the things that they came up with was who's responsible for each part of that transition, the group spinning at a by, bi-level, by leaders going out who's responsible, who's accountable, who needs input, and who needs to know. Um, and started to think about roles and responsibilities with that kind of clarity. Uh, and you, that was I, I didn't comment on your email, but I did share it with a, a couple of people in, who are working behind the scenes with the assignment. And everybody was encouraged by the way you guys looked through that and thought through that in detail. So yeah, I mean, we can work together to make that happen. But, And it's there are different ways to do it, for sure. Thanks, Josh, for the, drawing that to our attention. Anything else? So because I like clarification and I like just to, you know, have it clear in my own mind what um, what we're talking about. At the beginning this fall, having several, an undetermined number of new groups with people that we have determined from this point forward going through the summer. So we, we maybe pick out, every group picks out one or two people um, regard whether they
3: 're a current leader or something, and then starting in the fall, those seven weeks for each of those groups start as new home meetings is that just i 'm just asking a clarification question
0: uh, yeah not quite okay the the idea to make it To make it a safe thing to do for us, because, you know, often with multiplications, they're done very poorly. You'll notice in Mark's group, one of the things they're doing is that they're talking about multiplication for the fall as a way to solve their number problem, but they're not going to do it until the fall. So they're taking time to prepare together and pray together and get ready to send one another out to make more room for others. So it's not just it's not quick which is the way often things can happen we want to do it with some care so the groups in the fall will be seven week groups and that's our promise it doesn't have to be more than seven weeks the idea is if you decide at the whoever goes out to lead those groups in the fall decides at the end of the seven weeks hey you know we really like this together and this is a great group and there's a lot of chemistry and we're, we're knowing Jesus more deeply we'd like to stay as a group great we'll provide you resources to do that if at the end of the seven weeks you're like wow that was a good experience I felt stretched but I don't feel like like i'm ready to continue on leading this group that's cool too we'll find places for everybody in the existing home meeting structure the job right now a lot like mark and his group is doing with identifying initial groups of people to begin praying towards the fall is what we're asking you to do in identifying your leaders potential leaders just look around and see who shows potential to possibly go and bring it up with them the reason we're doing this now is because it's before the fall and we're not we're trying not to let it just drop on us and I don't think because we don't have a shared way to do home meeting training together yet as far as everybody's on the same page and this is how leaders operate and what we do uh, there's a lot that we have yet to do with supporting the home meetings um, we're trying to get this in front of you as soon as possible so that you can begin to adjust to the idea think about it, look at people, pray about people involve them in the process and aim towards the fall well with some time to spare. Make sense? Okay. Other questions? Okay, you guys rock. I love you guys. And uh, I'll be around in case there's something that would have happened in our breakout time that you wanted to get to that, that we're not going to be able to get to because we're just going to release you into the beautiful the beauty of the day out there. Uh, feel free to see me. Otherwise, let me pray for us and let's go in peace. All right, Heavenly Father, thank you for this team, and this group of people who. Um, You've called to be your own and you give them life and you give them peace and you give them energy to serve as you've served them. I ask that they would not run out of energy, but you would supply them with all that they need. That, uh, that we would be wiser and wiser together as a community with how far to extend ourselves, when up, pull back and exhibit balance. The balance of your uh, grace and peace that we wouldn't just drive ourselves, but that we would be zealous, but not driven. Uh, Lord, you were zealous, you, uh, you went away, you prayed, you sought uh, the Father in prayer, communion with him, and yet you uh, cared very much about why you came and extending your kingdom, and yet you were never driven. Sometimes you actually lingered to prove a point. And so we uh, we ask that you would teach us to linger when we need to linger and that you would teach us to move forward where we need to move forward. But most of all, we ask that you would take away and involve us in taking away the roadblocks that prevent us right now from following you where you want us to go. Be with us, Jesus. We're thankful that you are. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, gang, thanks for coming. Go in peace.